Yeah. You'll figure it out, Ben. I have all the faith in you. Hallelujah. Were you good, Ben? Hallelujah. Well, good morning, everyone. How awesome it is. You know, when we come into this house after we've been together for eight days, and then we come out, and it's amazing of what transpires, because it feels to me, we were talking about it this morning, usually the weekend before everybody gets here, there's just this presence of anticipation and expectation. That was here this morning when we came in. So I think preparing for worship, and that was all part of it. But I think the Father still wants to have time with us. So it's really, really important as we begin to rehearse what's taking place in these eight days, uh, really take time out and observe and watch and see what's going on around you. But this morning, I really wanted to just thank you. I'm going to read a scripture in a minute, but I just want you to know, we met as deacons and elders this morning in our eldership meeting, and we try to convey to all the leadership of how thankful we are for them and all of their parts. But I felt that it was important for all of you to know how much we are grateful and thankful and appreciate all of you. Because when we come into these settings, and we've talked about this before, the church is not these four walls. Every one of you is a living member of this house. And according to the word, God has placed you here. So in turn, you have an active destination in God's will as part of this body. So in turn, everything that transpired in preparation for this time of tabernacles, right, has been each and every one of you and your lives that's been transformed to reveal him. Now see, there was a lot of preparation that took place for tabernacles. Now, we usually spend about three months in preparation of what's taking place just for the physical things, right? First, we try to get the view or the desire of what God wants to bring during this tabernacle. So there's usually an emphasis. So we have to pray for what that is. And we saw that it was going to be Firestorm New England. And then there's the preparation of, okay, who's going to be the book table, all of the things that minister to you and those that come as well as the food and all of those things. But I want to emphasize your part in this because this could not have taken place without you to the depth and to the degree that it did. Because each and every one of you purposed to be a part of this at some point in time. Exactly. Even you challenging Betty to who is going to bring more people to the next in gathering. See, all these parts are essential because when we come to the Feast of Tabernacles, this is a part of who Kathy and I are. For 49 years, that seed has been within us. So wherever we go, that's who we are in God. So this altar of his presence is continually bringing forth that which is the revelation of the Feast of Tabernacles. And to make it very simply, the Feast of Tabernacles is when Jesus is going to return. So as John the Baptist, he declared, the Son of Man, the Son of God, the Messiah is coming. We are the announcement in the earth that Jesus is coming back again for his church. And that will take place in the season of Tabernacles. 
So I want to read you to the book of John, and it's going to be chapter 15, I believe it is. No, actually, it's chapter 13. Because I know of the choices that you have made over this last year has allowed you to become who God has desired for you to be right where you are today. The progress, the change, the very things that God has both used you for and has done inside of you to bring to that which is, look at how many people came from all of these other states, all these other Christian cultures, if you will, because all of those leaders that came during this time Many of them came from a different point of view. They love Jesus. They minister the gospel of Christ. But they come from where their culture is, where their Christian church happens to be, and how they live it. And so we have been given the opportunity to that which is then in part who we are in God. And so I just, I can't overemphasize the importance of who you are to God in this house. Are any of us perfect? No. Was Moses perfect when he led the people out of bondage, out of Egypt? No. He surely spent 40 years getting a lot of the stuff out of him, but ultimately came to the point where he came to face to face with God in a burning bush. All of us are walking on the backside of the mountain and have been where God is continually asking Give that stuff to me and I'll remove it. Give that stuff and I'll remove it. Why? Because I want to come face to face with you. Now, Tammy had a personal experience, a God encounter. All of us, many of us have had an encounter with God that is so real. And that's because of your choices and desiring that you want to know him. And God just takes you more than just your personal experience because now he wants to take you into the world. Not of this world, but take you into the world where you can display who he is. Now listen to this. This is chapter 13 of the book of John, and this is verse 34. I ha- I, a new commandment I give you to you. This is he speaking to the disciples. That you may love one another as I have loved you. That you also may love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples. That means Christian and non-Christian. All will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now what's taking place is a disciple, there's a lot of definitions of what a disciple is. Essentially, my heart is, is one who's in relationship and responds to that which he asks us to do. Surely we're worshipers. Surely we're testaments, we're those that speak of our testimony, and we're those that are servants, and we also live and minister the gospel. But I want you to know your love that now has been displaced, if you will, been taken over, and now his love lives inside of you. We all start out with a certain amount of love, and then it falls short. We get offended, right? Somebody doesn't either like us, but God's love is unconditional. And that's what's being formed and shaped inside of you so we can rightly love God with a pure love 
So he's allowing these settings in our lives to where all of the natural, all of the human attributes that we have are being separated right from us. That's part of the old man, the old nature. And what's he doing? He's got his son living inside of us. And Jesus was, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So Jesus was the expression of the love of the Father in the earth. Well, guess what? Jesus said to the Father, Father, as you sent me into the world, I send them. Don't take them out of this world, but keep them from the evil one. So every time, and that's why I want to focus on this, we don't always fully understand of this preparation that's transpiring. We want our lives to be changed. We want our lives to be whole, but it's more from not just ourselves. It's that the they might see our love for one another, that they would truly know that we have a relationship with him, and in turn, the display of who he is and what's purposed in his life, living through us, then touches others. I can't tell you, because we have time with the leadership, and that's what's important for us as leaders in this house. Seldom do leaders have the opportunity to have time with leaders. That's why we gather as many that will into our home. So over those eight days, probably all together, 20-something, 26 people, whatever the number was, have come to our home, have broken bread together, not just in our home, but here, and in turn, have built relationship. They've been able to have relationship with you, these family dinners that we've had. What did Jesus do? He was often ridiculed for those who he ate with. Why would you eat with prostitutes? Why would you eat with lawyers? Really? Because there's a supernatural work that Jesus does when we break bread together because there's a, a, a covenant, if you will. There's something that's established in God and the person and those that are breaking bread that he chooses to establish a relationship that's just so strong, it's so purposed. And the supernatural things of Jesus take place in that time. So, so many of those leaders that came to our house, like I said, many of them didn't know each other. John and Dana, we hadn't seen for 13 years, 15 years, whatever it was. And everybody has their sphere, their dominion, their rule. And in turn, they get locked into their world. It's pretty easy to do. Most of you get locked in your world, right? That's where your heart really goes out to the elderly because the elderly, they can't go somewhere. Most of them don't know how to communicate through uh, internet or anything like this. So often when you have time with them, you try to speak something outside of their world and they can't relate to it. Sometimes that's a joyous setting. Sometimes it's an angry setting because they're locked into their world and there hasn't been anything to come to intercept. Well, leaders are locked into their world, so their sphere of influence, if you will. And often they'll kind of just associate with people that are in their same like-mindedness. And so God's just so awesome. He brings people from all, all, acts, all aspects of life, of leadership, and he brings them to this house and he says, I just want you to learn how to love one another. And so what happens is, is that because of the things that have transpired in your life, you think that we're just having a family meal next door. 
Jesus says, okay, I've got them here. Now watch this. And he'll begin to then infiltrate their lives with who you are in God. And maybe they've never experienced somebody like you, Jeanette. But all of a sudden, the heart of the Lord begins to penetrate their heart. And there happened to be one ministry that sought Jeanette out almost every time that he could see her. Well, surely we could say the personalities and we have a nice smile and we look pretty and all that kind of stuff, or I'm a good cook. No, it's that Christ inside, that attribute and who he is that's being revealed through your character, through your life. And all of a sudden there's this drawing that this, yeah, Jeanette's a nice person, but there's something inside that's so much more because it's life-giving, and I really want to have time with her. I want to hear what she has to say. There's something that compels me, that draws me to her. And so when you find yourselves now reflecting and reviewing what transpired during this eight days, if you allow in your mind, because all of us have this little camera inside of here, most of you, if you look inside your camera, you can look up either if you had a cup of coffee this morning or you had a kink in your face when you looked in the mirror. Right? Go ahead and look in the mirror and see if you can see the kink in your face because you didn't want to get up or it was raining or where is the sunshine. But if you allow that camera to roll back from the very first night, whatever that night was or that first Sunday that you came and then begin to see how God brought different ones that maybe you weren't expecting that you would maybe be in the food line with. Or you might have come and somebody might have just shook your hand. Because that impartation of who you are in God, who you are in Christ, just a handshake. That's why just about wherever I am, I'm always mindful because some people have a hard time with body contact, both male and female. But I try, if I can, to touch a shoulder. If you've noticed, most of the time I try to grab your hand. And if there are people that I haven't met before, I'll grab their hand, I'll grab their hand with my other hand, and I'll look them in the eye. And then I'll know, sometimes I'll have to look a little bit the other way because the presence of the Lord sometimes is overwhelming for them. So I want you to know that this tabernacles became what it was because God had access to use you. Mm-hmm. Some people will talk to you or go along with you, and I can tell them you look pretty, you don't need this, you don't. Mm-hmm. And then I had another woman that I just went to touch her, and she jumped like, mm-hmm. you going to touch me? <laughs> exactly. I had, that's the experience I had this last week. You can go to a deli, and everybody's going to the counter, and everybody's happy, and by the time you go up there, the person on the other side of the counter just wants to jump across and pull your hair out. Why? Because it's who we carry. And some people don't have an easy time of accepting that. Because most of the time, the Christ in you touches all the hurts. And so what do we do? We put up a defense. Get away from me. What did the demonized man that came out of the cave do? He had legion. He says, why have you come before my time? Get away from me. I don't want anything to do with you. But that wasn't enough for Jesus. He says, what's your name? My name is Legion. What did Jesus do? He had the wisdom, but also led by the Lord. 
That was a place that this man could receive deliverance. And so people in our lives, we take every opportunity realizing that who we are is more than what we've become and who we presently are in these tangible, physical, outward appearances. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, he kept saying something about the foreigners walking around, you know. Well, the foreigners have been up there in Dartmouth how many years? Uh, I mean, the blacks, the Jews, many years. And this man actually, actually, I said to myself, gee, what a... Uh, knucklehead. No, not only a knucklehead. I'm calling him a... A knucklehead. Uh, yeah. The other word I wanted to say is uh, he is prejudiced. Yes. Prejudiced. Yeah. He acts like he, they're not supposed to be there. Right. Either that or why are you there? Right. <laughs> right. right. I mean, did they pay for their... Uh, Tuition? Yeah. Every person has a right to be educated. Absolutely. And see, that's so what's wonderful. You are the container... That's why Jesus said, they will know you are my disciples by your love. Now, you could have responded to that guy and called him more than a knucklehead. I, I, I walked away from him. I didn't say a word to him, but I said it to myself. Wisdom. Wisdom. <laughs> but yet the people on the bus and Kmart, Walmart, all these places. And so really this morning is, is pretty simple. I and Kathy personally, but the leadership, every one of you, we thank you. Because you've chosen in these days to allow God to do a work inside of you that that in turn could then alter your life, your family's life, but has also been available to God to be able to touch all of those that he gathered because it's all by invitation this time of Tabernacles. There's a lot of people that uh, have asked to come. There were people that were asked to come that didn't want to come. But all of this is a, a setting before the Father. And so I want to thank you and anybody else, the food bank, all the times of the family dinners, everything that transpired, the cleaning, all the times of taking the extra time. I mean, just even Ray coming all the way from South Royalton. All of these settings I know were a sacrifice. And I know some of the nights were late. But I just thank you because all of the reports, all of the conversations, and I'm saying all, there was not one negative conversation, not even one negative word, not one word of correction, not one word that maybe you should consider doing something different. Every single person left changed. And it wasn't just the father in his presence, changing their lives. But he worked through you. You are known by his love. You are a disciple that has intimate relationship with him, with the Holy Spirit, with the Father. You're a worshiper. You're a servant. You're one who ministers and a disciple and declarer of the gospel. But you're also one who's known by others for your love for him and for one another. Amen. Is there anything you'd like to add? Yes, we do. Thank you so much for all the labors of love that you all uh, 
did in all the labors of love that you did beforehand and for weeks and months and um, the sowing of seed to to help us be able to do this again this year and um, may we be able to do it again next year. Um, but today's word, um, strangely enough, Jesus spoke these words at Passover. This was a Passover message. It was just as Judas had left the room, you know, and went to do what he did. And Jesus said, I give you a new commandment. He knew that this commandment, as we are able to embrace it and truly love one another, he defined the love. He said, um, a new commandment I give to you. So he gave it. He continues to give it. And then he defined it. Because when we first come to know him, we come with our own ideas about love. <laughs> till we learn. Till we know him. Till we learn how he loves us unconditionally. He just loves us. And he defined it. He said, um, that you love one another as I have loved you. He knew that as they could embrace this word of love and receive this gift and the new commandment at Passover, that it would be enough. It would be the full provision that would enable them to walk on towards Pentecost and Tabernacles, the fullness of it as we continue to wait. By this, Jesus again said, all men, all men, everyone, saved and unsaved, all men, will know that you are my disciples. That means that you are the people that follow me, that you are the people that will die to yourself and prefer someone else. You are the people that will give it all. He said, this is what will happen to all men if you will have love for one another. So I just thought it was special how God is taking this word you're bringing today, Pastor, and bringing us from Passover to Tabernacles as we again wait and we head towards Passover again in six months. And, um, yeah, today was a very precious day in salient. That's all I have to share. Again, thank you all for loving one another because all men were changed. You can go ahead and stop it, Ben, if you'd like. Kevin reminded me, uh, if you would, Norm, we're hoping.